back in May 2021, Allie and I spent our wedding anniversary in uh, the Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks. And um, we got married May 2020, which was right in the middle of the pandemic. And, and I remember we, uh, you know, everything kind of shut down in March. And we were thinking, well, by May, it'll be fine, right? Like, it'll be all good and everything. Well, it wasn't, so we had 10 people at our wedding. And so we decided we're going to take that money that we saved, and we would have used on our wedding, and we're going to use it for a trip. And so we, we spent our one-year anniversary in Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. And, you know, from the second our plane landed in the Jackson Hole Airport, we looked out and saw the Grand Tetons behind us. It was just it was beautiful. If anybody's been out there before, you know what I'm talking about. And so we spent the, the whole week... Um, in the parks, taking pictures, we saw rivers, lakes, mountains, geysers, all these wild animals, and it was just amazing. And um, for anybody that's ever been to a beautiful place and has taken a lot of pictures, then you know that when you get back and you look at those pictures, it just doesn't quite do it justice, does it? It doesn't quite, so, you know, we were showing our family some of these pictures, and we were like, yeah, but, I mean, it, it was so much better in person. You had to go in person. You got to go. You can't, you know. Um, and, and that experience reminds me of our scripture lesson this morning, where Peter, James, and John go up the mountain with Jesus, and they witness the transfiguration. Words just don't capture it. Pictures don't capture it. And, and Peter's trying his best to try to capture that moment. And he just can't do it. Um, throughout this several weeks, we've been working our way through our series, Mark My Words, as we're looking at the Gospel of Mark. And we're continuing that as we look at Jesus' Transfiguration today on Transfiguration Sunday. So I invite you to stand as we um, read our Gospel lesson this morning from Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through stand as we read God's Word. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them to the top of a very high mount where they were alone. He was transformed in front of them, and his clothes were amazingly bright, brighter than if they had been bleached white. Elijah and Moses appeared and were talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let's make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't know how to respond, for the three of them were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice spoke from the cloud, This is my son, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell anyone what they had seen until after the human one had risen from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Jesus in his inner circle, his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, they all go on this little nature walk together. They go up this mountain. And at first it seems like the perfect opportunity for Jesus to take a breath. He's been healing all these sick people. He's been... Uh, 
surrounded by these crowds constantly. He's been teaching his disciples, and they just never seem to understand what he's talking about. So this is the perfect opportunity for Jesus to find a secluded spot to pray, to reflect, to relax, to have a moment without that crowd around him. And instead of the scene, this morning offers us a glimpse into God's glory through this blinding light encounter. Jesus and his disciples, they make it to the summit of this mountain. And Christian tradition um, claims that this mountain is most likely Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor is about uh, 1,886 feet high. And um, as you can see, it kind of, kind of does this shape right here. And um, it's, it's not as steep as Star Mountain. And it's actually not as tall as Star Mountain. Star Mountain is about 2,500 feet. And so the disciples, they make their way up, up this mountain, and they think it, it might take maybe an hour and a half to hike that. Scholars do. And so they make it to the top, and something incredible happens on top of this mountain. Jesus is transformed. He's transfigured. His clothes become dazzling white, lighter than bleach. Not even, you know, oxyclean and Clorox can get this level of brightness in Jesus' clothes. And then, um, and then Matthew's gospel gives us the detail that Jesus' face shines like the sun. It's this amazing, incredible, unexpected transformation that occurs. And then, two heroes of the faith, Moses and Elijah, they appear up on the mountain along with Jesus. And they begin talking. Moses is there. He is either the one who led the Israelites out of slavery. He's the one who received the Ten Commandments. Moses is there kind of as a representative of the law. And you've got Elijah, and he's the best prophet that Israel's ever known. And he's there to kind of represent the prophets. And then you've got Jesus, the Son of God, and he is there to represent the gospel. Together, in summation, we have the law, the prophets, the gospel, all in one place at one time. It's this amazing encounter where we experience, where we see a glimpse of the power of God Almighty. You know, mountaintops um, are big places for these folks. You've got Moses who went on Mount Sinai where he got the Ten Commandments. You've got Elijah who went on uh, top of Mount Carmel where he took on the prophets of Baal. And now you've got Jesus there climbing this mountain and we catch a glimpse of his glory. It offers us a glimpse into his true identity, telling us that Jesus really is who he says he is. And so together on this mountain they're talking. Jesus is talking with Elijah and Moses about what he will accomplish in Jerusalem. They discuss Jesus' departure when he will face death on the cross and rise again. It's clearly at the forefront of Jesus' mind. There's no doubt that this is the reason why Jesus has gone up on top of this mountain. It's to have this meeting with these holy heroes of the faith. To talk about what he is about to do. And just six days before this mountaintop experience, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection to his disciples. Mark writes, Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. This is the news that Jesus offers his disciples six days before this encounter on the mountain, this transfiguration. This is when he tells them for the first time 
And he will not always be with them in the flesh. He lets them know that there will come a day when he will be put to death. And that day will be soon. And as you can imagine, this is difficult news for these disciples to process and take in. And, and just when it seems like it can't get any worse, then Jesus goes on and tells his disciples, if any of you want to become my followers, and I bet they're thinking, what do you mean? I thought we already were your followers. But he says, no, if you want to become my follower, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It's this jarring statement that leaves the disciples in a state of confusion. Jesus is telling them that they will eventually come to the same terrible fate as him. Jesus is calling them to walk willingly to their own demise. To encounter a life of self-denial and sacrifice. We're about to enter into a season of self-denial. Lent is this period of 40 days leading up to Easter. Um, where we are called to sacrifice, to enter into self-denial. Um, it begins on Ash Wednesday. And during those 40 days, we, we follow the example of Jesus who was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Lent is a time for us to confess our sin, confront our guilt, to look inward, to live simply, to pray, to fast. And we do all those things in order to grow in our relationship with God. You know, uh, most people will give something up. Uh, maybe it's it's chocolate. If you could do that, or what your favorite food. Or um, I said coffee to Carl, and they're like, "Whoa, not too far, right?" Uh, but you give up something in order to make room to, to take something on. And you take on something, hopefully, that will help you grow in your relationship. Christ, prayer, um, reading of the scripture, and every time you fast about. Fast something and you think about that. I really like to have that cup of coffee. That's when you pray. That's when you think and reflect. And 40 days can be a long time, right? It's a long period of time if you've given something up. Uh, I told the, Megan, she was teaching the, the kids this past Wednesday about what is Lent and what does that mean. And, and so she talked to them about Ash Wednesday and how you can give something up. And I, I let the detail be known that that fasting does not include Sundays. The 40 days um, do not include Sundays. And so those are called mini Easter's. Those are feast days. And so if you give up coffee, you can have it on Sunday. If you give up chocolate, you can eat it on Sunday. So that's a, that's a good detail to know. But, but your 40 days can be on the time. Here the disciples, they've got six days to process this news of Jesus' death and resurrection. They've got six days to wait until they experience this transfiguration on the mountain. And during that time, during those six days, we can only imagine what they must have been feeling and thinking. That confusion, that anxiety, that fear. So I wonder why Peter wants to document this amazing transfiguration on the mountain. There's no doubt that if Peter had a camera or a phone, he'd be taking pictures, he'd be posting videos on YouTube and Facebook. But just like my photos from Yellowstone and Grand Teton, they know that none of those images, none of those videos or pictures would do the real thing any justice. After all, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are standing before him. And it is too miraculous to portray in a photograph. 
But Peter still wants to capture this moment forever. He wants to forget about all that talk of death and resurrection. And he wants to instead preserve this moment of Jesus in all of his glory. And so, as Moses and Elijah are about to leave, Peter blurts out, Rabbi, it's, it's good for us to be here. Um, let's make three shrines. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And we can just stay up here forever and people can come and visit us and, and worship you. And we'll just, we'll just live up here in all your glory. But before Peter can even finish saying that, God shuts him up. God's voice booms from the clouds above them and says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Those are the same words that were uttered at Jesus' baptism where a cloud appeared. This is my dearly loved son. And now God is saying, listen to him. Perhaps that's God's way of telling Peter and the other disciples that they can't simply stay on the mountain forever. They have to listen to what Jesus says. So that means that they can't just forget about all of that talk of death and resurrection. It means that they can't forget all that talk about denial and taking up your cross. They have to listen to Jesus. And Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem. And he's inviting them to take part in that story. This message about listening to Jesus, I think, has ramifications for our own lives as well. If we truly listen to Jesus, then we're required to do some difficult things in our daily lives. If we truly listen to Jesus, then that means that we can't judge that speck in our neighbor's eye. If we truly listen to Jesus, then that means that we're required to love our enemies, to pray for the people that persecute us. If we truly listen to Jesus, then that means that we have to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Him. God's voice comes from the clouds telling us who Jesus is and that we're supposed to listen to Him. And after the voice speaks, Jesus is left standing there alone. Moses and Elijah are gone. Peter, James, and John are there as witnesses to this amazing, remarkable mountaintop experience. They witness this bold and blinding light. It's a true mountaintop experience. But it's interesting because Peter... One of these witnesses will still go on to deny Christ three times. The disciples will still go on to fall asleep in the garden when Jesus is praying before he is arrested. His own disciples, three of whom are present for this transfiguration, still run away when Jesus heads towards the cross. Three of the disciples witnessed this huge moment of affirmation, and they still struggle with doubt and a lack of faith. You know, for most of us, we don't have this kind of transformative experience that we can witness and that we can help affirm our faith. For most, most of us, we witness the divinity of Christ in the ordinary moments of life, in small acts of kindness, when we are able to forgive someone, it's in those small moments where we enter into the divinity of Christ, when we see, when we catch a glimpse of what that transfiguration might have been like. You know, we wish we could watch 
clip on YouTube or Facebook. We wish we could see a picture of Jesus' amazing transfiguration on the mountain, but we know, we know, it wouldn't do it any justice. It's simply too beautiful to capture in a photograph. No. We have to witness it for ourselves. Let us pray. God of the mountains and God of the valleys, we reflect on the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. We think of this divine and mysterious moment when your glory and power is made known. May your light shine in us, around us, and through us. Remember your words that came from the clouds that day. This is my son, my chosen one, to listen to him. Help us to listen to the commands that Jesus has given to us to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And may you bring about your transforming power as you mold us and shape us and transform us into the disciples that you have called us to be. Amen.